Welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm Jeff Rutherford. You can find me on Instagram at Jeff Rutherford, and I'm joined on today's podcast by my co-host, Elaine Poplin, a quilter from Huntsville, Alabama. And you can find Elaine on Instagram at Messy Goat. And our guest today is Dina Mailing. And you can find Dina on Instagram at ChuckStar158. Dina is a quilter who lives in Broomfield, Colorado. She's had quilts juried into QuiltCon, and she works with Pink Door Fabrics. And you can find Pink Door Fabrics online at pinkdoorfabrics.com. And Dina, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Elaine. Hello. Well, great. Thanks for joining us. I wanted to find out, how would you describe the quilts that you currently make? Let's see. The quilts that I currently make, I tend to be... uh Lately, at least, I tend to be more of a modern quilter. So I tend to make quilts with uh, more more negative space. I tend to try to, for lack of a better word, I try to bastardize maybe a traditional block, maybe change the scale in it or change the color values you'd normally see and things like that. So that's where I am right now in, in my quilting journey or career, you might say. Okay, so you mentioned traditional. Um, did you start that way, or how did you start quilting and sewing? Um, I actually, I did start that way. I, I always grew up sewing. You know, home ec, my mom sewed. We were more needle arts type people, uh, cross-stitch. Uh, I did a lot of crochet. I taught myself how to crochet for a while. But I was always interested in quilting. And I went through this phase, it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a funny story, but I went through this phase, oh, about 20 years ago, where I would try anything that sounded good. You know, if I just read about it and I thought, well, that sounds kind of good, I might try that. I tried Bikram yoga, that didn't take. I tried cake decorating. Uh, I made a lot of cake. And so my waistline felt like that did not need to become a steady habit. But it was my birthday, and my aunt was taking me out for breakfast, and there was a quilt store next door, and we were it was a Sunday morning. I'll never forget. And she said, well, we have this long wait. We have the little buzzer they give you, because it's 20 years ago. Uh, let's just go next door and look at the quilt store. Sure, great. And I walked out with the newsletter and signed up for the beginning quilting class. And before I'd even finished beginning quilting, I had started three quilts. That's how it happens. Yeah, exactly. that's how it happens. <laughs> that is exactly it. <laughs> the yoga didn't stick, but that quilting stuck. <laughs> I, I had a similar experience in my in my first class. I, I and I had never sewn. I didn't know what a quarter inch seam was. I've told the story before. I tried to learn. Literally, I bought quilting for for dummies at Barnes and Noble, and they just assumed all this sewing knowledge that I didn't have. And so I took my first class and even before it was over, I had gone home and made a split rail fence in addition to the one that I was working on for class. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It just, it sticks for some people. So I, I'm curious, one thing that I did want to ask you about, and I've asked you this uh, privately because we're friends online and um, Instagram. So I have noticed in a lot of the things that you work on, that you post on social media, that um, I consider your precision like stellar. 
And I'm curious, what, what do you do to, uh, to get your, um, your point so precise? And, and <laughs> it's just, it's like amazing. Like, uh, I, I'll like, you know, make, um, I'll make, you know, for a bunny hunter quilt, I'll make hundreds of half square triangles and hundreds of, um, flying geese, but you know, there are definitely points that are getting lopped off right, left and center, but I'm just curious what, what, what's your, what's your secret to precision? If she um, says pinning, I'm going to laugh. No, it's not pinning. Actually, I do pin. Um, I will try almost, but one, let's just pretend we're not going to, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. The best points make it to, in- to Instagram. <laughs> the little, the not so good ones don't always make it. But <laughs> that's I'm a good a point. Big, it, there's that. I Fun mean, intended. social media, social media is someone's best 5% of their life. Um, but I am a big fan of trying all techniques. So in the case of things like half square triangles, I might, um, I like the thangles and I like the triangles on a roll a lot. I will find little ways to, to be more precise. So I don't just take two squares, you know, run the, the quarter inch seam on either side of that center Mm -hmm. and open them up because I'm going to have some kind of weird distorted block every time so i also uh i'm a big fan of block lock rulers and these are not product placements at all because i just buy anything that will make my life easier because i can't i i can let a couple of a little points go but i've been quilting for 20 years now i i, I want them to look a certain way sure when i and, and like i i i've I feel, I feel very similar because I have, um, well, block locks, I think are life-changing. I mean, I'm not a huge, um, I have to have every new, um, notion, but those block lock rulers are just amazing. Oh, they're, but, I, they're but I've also amazing. tried the, the, um, uh, the, the triangles on a roll and the thangles. Those are, mm-hmm. um, helpful as well. Especially right now I'm, I'm working on a quilt that has. Well, it's got something like 384 half square triangles and I've made 16. Um, and it's because I'll make them a little, sometimes I'll even make them a little bit bigger. So I have room to trim down. I'm a big yeah. believer in, well, I might be a modern quilter. I'm a big believer in the traditions and the skills that have been passed down for years. And I think there's, I think sometimes people want to skip a couple of steps. And they may not take the time to square up at every step. And I, I find that to be important. So I like to take the time to square up the block. I also like to take the time to pin it <laughs> um, and get that point exactly where it needs to be. So I, I think precision is important. And I'll do anything it takes to get it there. Absolutely. I, I am always amazed by the dismissive line of thinking that some quilters have to the traditional techniques, you know, know the rules so you can break them like an artist. And that's, I really do. I agree with that a hundred percent. I've talked to a lot of my other quilter friends about, it just feels like sometimes there's some of the methods are lost 
Well, it's rebellion for the sake of rebellion in some ways. And I guess I teach high school, so I see that. But it's, <laughs> you know, sometimes you're just, you're just being difficult. And so maybe modern quilters, a lot of modern quilters have that whole teenage mindset. You know, I'm just not going to do it the way they've always done it because that's how the old people did it. And that might be the yep. case. Yeah. For me, though. Well, not everyone, obviously. Yeah, I'm generalizing not everyone. <laughs> but, but definitely I mean, for me, I like to take the time between... And I know the block you're talking about, Jeff, that you saw because you commented on it. And that took me a long time to make this one particular block because there were so many Hasker triangles and uh, flying geese in it. And I just I just had to stop and square them all up or else I was going to have a really uh, out of square, wonky points cut off type. And I wouldn't have been happy with it. Yeah. And, you know, I have higher perfectionism standards for myself than I have for anybody else. Definitely. You know, I, so if I'm not happy, it's, I'm going to redo it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) A seam ripper is my favorite tool. Oh, man. Absolutely. I have a favorite. Hundreds of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not. (laughs) <laughs> Dozens. I mean, I know at least I'm into the di- the two digits. I can always find one. <laughs> They're never that far. Uh-uh. And I always lose them. And so when I clean my room, I find about seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I just go get another one. So what inspires a new quilt for you? Do you start um, on a new idea right away? Does it percolate? Do you? It depends. Do you what do you do? I, if I'm designing my own, and I'm not a pattern designer, but I mean, but if I see something I want to recreate in fabric, I'm an architect by training, um, by career. Uh Yes. I, and, um, I haven't been practicing in a long time, but I tend to find, uh, floor tile to be my biggest information, uh, inspiration. Well, I'll see things in tile that I could say, oh, I could recreate that in fabric very easily. Because you're looking at kind, you're looking at something that's, I mean, it's truly three dimension, but you're thinking of it in two dimensions and then you can replicate that also in fabric that's two dimension. I mean, I know it's three, but it's kind of flat. Uh, And so I tend to find if I'm designing something, I might see some interesting lines on a building or I might see some floor tile or even I have my sketchbook I was looking through the other day and I had some. Uh, I had a bunch of series of sketches for quilt ideas based on, I was going through this time where I was watching a lot of Marvel movies. So I was taking some of the heroes and I thought if they were a quilt, what would they be like? And if I couldn't be obvious about, if I couldn't be obvious about, uh, you know, obviously can't use a logo from Marvel or anything like that. What would I, what would I do to represent these characters? And so I had a bunch of sketches of, Quilts that maybe someday I'll make based on superheroes. <laughs> I'd love to that's see that. That's how I start uh, my process. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually working on one that's much more literal interpretation. In fact, Elaine helped me with one of the blocks. Oh, yeah. I plan on helping more as soon as I retire, Jeff. Yeah, so. yeah. That's fine. <laughs> or actually, maybe while they take exams, I'll do that. It's a yeah. good way to spend my time. Well, well, are there fabric colors that you often gravitate to? And, and how do you choose a color uh, palette for a quilt? Uh, I got once back when I was working full time. Uh, I'm, I'm home with my kids mostly. 
when I was working full-time in the offices, I had an interior designer who I liked a lot. And I asked her how she got her inspiration for color. And she said, uh, always look to nature because nature doesn't put together colors that are garish. And I kind of really took that to heart. So if you pick up a rock and you really look hard at that rock, you might see browns and blues and maybe some greens, might even see some peach or something like that. Um, so I tend to take things from nature a lot. Now, that's not saying my quilts are necessarily woodsier or more natural in their uh, design sense. It's just where I start with a palette. Or I do work part-time in a fabric shop, so I will sometimes walk around and just, and this is what I counsel people who will come in or are asking for help on, is just go find your favorite bolt. Like, just go find one bolt of fabric, one piece of fabric that you just like. And we'll start pulling colors from there. So that's kind of how I, I tend to approach my palettes. You'll always seem to find blue somewhere in my palette. Uh, I go through all the phases like all good quilters. I've had my extraordinarily bright phase. I've had my batiks phase. I've had my uh, Asian-inspired phase. Right now, I'm in my kind of more muted natural colors phase. Don't ask me why. If it's fallish, I'm in. So you mentioned nature. So living in Colorado, Mm -hmm. uh, where... Where in Colorado, east or west? I am actually in the Denver area. Okay. So I'm a little okay. bit on so the north D- Denver suburbs. Okay. So it's flatter there. Are you it inspired by the? Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been a lot to uh, the Steamboat area. My parents used to have a, oh, I guess, yeah. a winter home out there. And so it's every time I would go out there, I'd be inspired just by the, oh, the landscapes. Oh, and the f- wildflowers in the summer. Yeah, and we lost you there for a second. So, oh, I lost her. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I'm sorry. I nope, don't know why. You're back. You want you, you just want to ask that again? Um, just my parents had a, a winter home in Steamboat. And so I've always been very inspired by the landscape out there. The snow, of course, in the winter, but the, um, the hot air balloons up in the sky all the time, the wildflowers, all of it. It's just the mountains are so pretty. They're so pretty. Um, I live nearby a area that's known for a lot of hot air ballooning. And, oh, you can wake up and just see some of the the prettiest colors, just a big balloon right in front of you. And you're driving kids to school or you're on your way to work and or Starbucks or wherever. And there's this giant, bold and beautiful designy balloon in your face it's great <laughs> yeah it's great. oh goodness i have another question did you start taking classes online during the pandemic i know jeff took a bunch i haven't done it yet i did not i found that during uh during the pandemic we were pretty locked down i have family nearby i don't have a lot of family in the area but i do have my aunt lives nearby about a mile away So we were always exposed to each other. It was the one place we could go. And she's a quilter much like I am. So what we found is we liked to, we liked to get on Facebook and go into the shops that were having lives and seeing what they Uh were bringing into their shop. So we were trying to stimulate the economy 
by supporting small business a lot. <laughs> but um, we didn't take what a you lot call of it? Yeah, that. that's what I call it. That's where I'm. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. We're stimulating the small business. I'm, I'm going to stimulate the economy. <laughs> uh, and so, what we found that we were we what we did is we set our sewing machines. She has a lot of sewing machines in the basement, and we set them on the dining room table upstairs, and we called it summer camp. So we would go to summer camp every day and we would watch a uh, some shops Facebook Live and maybe we'd get something or maybe it would inspire something or maybe we'd just say, you know, I have something similar. I should work on it. So I found that during the pandemic for me, I wasn't taking any classes, but I was changing some of my techniques or I was doing a lot of machine embroidery and I was starting to do a lot of English paper piecing. So I did not. I, I did set my normal work aside for a little bit. And didn't you also uh, organize a bunch of mask making as well? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I did. We, uh, I ended up putting a silly post on. I had a friend who's a doctor saying, you know, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And that was what it first started, right before everything shut down. Sure. And... Can you make me a few masks? I said, sure. Because they said, we're going to have to make these 95s, the, the N95s, last a lot longer. Okay, sure. And that came a call on my Facebook page. Anybody want to help me? And I had a couple of friends that said, yeah, I'll help you out. So I said, well, I'll make a, a private page, a private group for that mask making. I don't want to junk up my feed. and People who aren't interested, I don't want to junk up my feed with uh, mask stuff. So I made a group and every day that group grew a little, grew a little, grew a little. And, oh, it became a full-time job. We made, uh, we made almost 50,000 masks for the Denver area. Wow. Wow. It was That's ridiculous. Amazing. I was swimming in you, masks. Just you. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and it, and I'll be honest, it killed my Sojo for a while. Yeah. I, I mean, the emotional like, headspace you have to get in to do that is just, I would have to stop. It was it was a long time before. And I think that's why I turned to other I turned to machine embroidery and I turned to English paper piecing because it just wasn't more quarter inch seams pushing through that machine. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you quilt your quilts yourself? I do. Um, I have access to uh a long arm. I am not a proficient long armor and I think someday I could be, but I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's the, the place I land the hardest. I think it's because by the time I get the machine on the long arm, I'm ready to just load up a pantograph and, or a, um, a continuous edge, like an edge to edge and just mm -hmm. hit run on it. I adore a lot of long arm quilting that I see. And I just don't have the patience to do it yet. So I do quilt my own. Um, if they're small, I'll do them domestically, like on the domestic. But I normally put on the long arm and I just run them. I'll run them edge to edge. If I need something custom quilted, I'll send it out. Sure. Very good. Yeah, because there are people who are so talented out there. Unbelievably talented. So, yeah, it's... It's a overwhelming just the inspiration you can get for free motion quilting online, just even just domestic and long arm, both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. incredible. And then the people that combine them just oh, they're amazing. There's some there's some accounts that I follow that it's just unbelievable what they're able to do. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Stunning. But that is not on my list of gifts. (laughs) So, goodness. Well, and they're so expensive, too. So, you know, I have a long arm, but it is not computerized at all. And I I only do essentially custom work. Mm -hmm. So it's... It's just, yeah, I've got two kids, well, one kid in college now and one's a high school senior, so I can't spend my money that way. Exactly, exactly. And notice I didn't say it was mine. I said I had access to it. (laughs) So, well, we finally, we did buy one for me because we realized I was producing quilts at a rate faster than I could afford to have them done. And And that's real too. Yeah, and it would essentially... I'd end up saving money in the sure. long run because of how much it costs to have mis- have things quilted. So, well, when we when I first started quilting on this on a, the family member's uh, long arm, I started making a list of all the quilts I was quilting just so I could say, well, if I were, and I would keep track of their size, so I would do you know the name of the quilt. And the size of it, because then I could figure out the square inches. And I knew that number of square inches I needed to hit before I thought this machine has paid for itself. Right. We hit it. It's okay. <laughs> Mind of an architect, always thinking in always. terms of that number. <laughs> always. Well, yeah. I, I've heard that you love your AccuQuilt fabric cutter. In fact, I, I think you may have bought the electric version soon after you bought the manual AccuQuilt. What do you like about your AccuQuilt? I love my AccuQuilt. Um, <laughs> I, I got, we got the AccuQuilt, the little cranky one, and then it, all of a sudden it became, but there's an electric one, and then it'll fit all the dies. And then there was a <laughs> shop going out of town uh, not too far from me, and everything they had was blowout prices. They had to shut their doors. Which is sad for them, but it was a boon for me. Um, and what I found is I really like the uh, I like I like the intricate shapes that maybe are tough enough to sew on their own. The flowering snowballs, the uh, orange peels, all of those types of fun curves because curves are everybody's nemesis. Um, the clamshells, and they already have darts built into them or not the darts the uh oh goodness what's registration marks the registration marks built into them um i liked that things like the half square triangles and the flat uh the flying geese which is my favorite uh they've got the dog ears already trimmed so Mm -hmm. i really really liked cutting out things that are already complicated to sew but if you're not a precision cutter also just make it that much more difficult so it takes that precision cutting and just runs with it yeah it does it for you and it does lovely and you cannot beat the amount of uh quantity you can do at once so i'm working on uh an english paper piecing right now and i needed to cut a lot of hexagons really quickly and if you wouldn't guess they got a hexagon die and so i was (laughs) cutting them 24, 25 in a pass. Nice. And they're great. And one inch hexagons and I'm just banging them out. And I just think that's the greatest thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I 
um, have been quilting for, I guess, 20 years now. And I had a very similar experience where, again, like I'm not um, that huge on buying every new um, notion or, or uh, tool out there. And I honestly, I had seen them um, demonstrated at a quilt show. Um, and I don't think they did a great demonstration because they were using tons of excess fabric mm-hmm. when they were demonstrating it. So they were lopping off huge parts. And I was just like, I don't, I don't get the appeal to that. And then, um, they had a really great sale. I decided to try it. And like within like a day, I was like, oh my God, why did I, why did I not get this like years ago? Um, That's specifically, how I was. specifically for the Bonnie Hunter, um, quilts that I do because, you know, all of her quilts require hundreds of half square triangles and hundreds mm-hmm. of flying geese. And like you said, the flying geese have the, the, um, uh, dog ears already clipped off. It's, it's amazing. So it's amazing. I, I did think it at first because when I first saw it demonstrated, they were just doing strips and I thought, well, I can, I can cut strips with the best of them. This is silly. I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste this money. We're not going to waste this money. And then all of a sudden, well, hello curves and hello clamshells and hello uh, robbing Peters to pay Pauls and double wedding rings and all of those wonderful things that are complicated old patterns, but they'll cut them out, cut them out in no time. Yep. Yeah, Jeff is a bit born again about his actually. So <laughs> yeah, my mom, my mom and I bought one years ago, and yeah, I use it some, but. I don't use it daily, though. I will admit that it's it's for uh, it's for in, it, like I have to have something. I'm going to make this quilt, and is there a die for it? Yes, there is. Great. So it's not something I have on the counter every day. Yeah, I tend not to know what I'm doing until I'm halfway into it. So it just <laughs> never occurs to me. <laughs> so, hmm. do you have a um? advice a bit of advice for someone who wants to get started quilting but might be intimidated i mean your story of how you started is uh, universal but do you have advice for somebody getting started who's a bit more intentional (laughs) and just going (laughs) i just just going next door because the store's open (laughs) there's that there's sometimes that happens um i would say definitely take a class be it online, be it in person, but take a class. Someone's, and it doesn't matter if it's quilting or anything in this life, someone's going to show you a good way to do it. And someone's also going to show you ways you don't want to do it. And especially something with quilting where it runs the gamut from quilts you could never use to the most functional. I live on the functionality side. I really like my quilts to be used, but you know, art quilts aren't always used and you can make a quilt can be anything you want it to make to be. So my first thought would be, what do you, what do you, my first piece of advice really would be, what do you want a quilt to be and find somebody who's going to show you the ropes and you can, you can make something that you're going to love. If I look back on my first quilt, which I still have, cause I couldn't, I couldn't bear to give it away because it was so atrocious. <laughs> and looking back on it now, um, it, it really is. It's really not a good selection of <laughs> anything going on. <laughs> but there's but so you much. Know, you kind of look at it like your like your child's 
drawings of raisin people when they were exactly. little. I mean, you come so far. I, I look so at everything I'm about it, and I don't hate it, but I also it wouldn't be the type of work I'd put out today. Yeah, and, of course not. And there's um, there's no I would. I, you know, and I'm not the person who thinks you need to cut your teeth. Like I once heard advice that said, "You are not a quilter till you've made a log cabin." Well, I've never made a log cabin. I made some log cabin blocks, but I didn't make a whole quilt that was just a log cabin quilt. So I think, uh, I think there's not a lot of room for gatekeeping. So I tell people to not be afraid of just doing what you want to do, being who you want to be. There's room for improv. There's room for uh, portraiture. There's room for modern quilting and traditional quilting and Hawaiian applique, there's room for everything and it's all valid and it's all wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. And Do buy occasional a... tools. Go They're ahead. fun. Said that I again? was just going to say, and always buy fun tools. Oh, absolutely. I'm curious. Do you have a favorite quilt that you've made? Oh yeah. I have, I have in my basement, which is a shame because I, I went to Costco and I got, we were going to move. And I have a very small basement, which was my sewing area. And this is years ago. And we're going to move. I packed everything up in the Costco black and yellow bins that you see. So they're opaque. They're not transparent. Packed everything up, ended up not moving. And everything still <laughs> lives in those. And it's years later. I mean, now we're seven, eight years later. Um, it still lives in those Costco bins. So it's sad that my favorite quilt's live in these Costco bins never to see the light of day. But you can unpack uh, I have the bins. One. I do need to unpack the bins and I need <laughs> to use them because I I am a believer that quilts should be used. So I need to use these quilts. Um I made when I was very early in my sewing career career. Um I made a a <laughs> stack and whack. Do you remember stack and whack? Uh-huh. Oh, I, I loved yeah. stack and whack and I made a stack and whack and it was out of the Alexander Henry Barbarella girls. I don't remember the name of the the fabric, but they looked like Jane Fonda and Barbarella. And I hacked <laughs> them up, and every block in a stack and whack was kaleidoscoped, but it looked different. And it was um, oh, I had boobs everywhere, and I had legs everywhere, <laughs> and I had hair everywhere. And I was working on it in the quilt shop that I would sew at on Friday nights, and I would. Uh, I was, I had the blocks up on the wall, hadn't put them all together yet or, or whatever. And I had the blocks up on the wall and this lady walked by, never forget this. This lady walked by and she said, how could you make this quilt? And I didn't know her from Adam. So I said, excuse me, which is not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a shrinking flower that way. And I said, excuse me. And she said, quilting is for heirlooms and this isn't an heirloom. You're demeaning quilting. Yes. Did you ask to see her badge? I was so (laughs) proud of that damn quilt because I thought I'm demeaning quilting here. This is fantastic. (laughs) I was so happy to just be a little irreverent and a little turn it. You know, you have to learn the rules to turn them on the side and uh, to turn them on their side. And I was so happy to have said, my points are great. My stitches are wonderful. You just don't like the topic and that's okay. And I was so happy about it that it's, it's one of my favorite quilts. I have a couple of stories about favorite quilts, if you don't want mind. No, oh, no, sure. absolutely. Please. Absolutely. That's what this is for. Okay. And then, so that was my Barbarella quilt. I should put a picture up. I haven't put a picture up of that. Jeff, have you ever seen that one? I haven't. I haven't. I you will have put to it post a picture of it. 
And then um, I did another one. I got really big. I liked the, uh, this is also years and years ago. I liked the, uh, oh, was it RJR maybe? But they had a, a line of vegetable, fruits and vegetables, but they looked really realistic. Just... They weren't cartoony or anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I made a quilt. It was a simple quilt. It was from a local quilt designer, Mountain Peak Creations is my friend or was my friend Carrie. And she made this quilt that just highlighted little fabrics. And it was called County Lines. And it looked to me like a fruit and vegetable stand. And I had memories of my grandmother when I was growing up. Uh, she, whenever we were visiting, which was every Saturday, she would take my cousins and I, and we'd all get in the car and go down to this fruit stand. She got her fruits and vegetables from a local guy. And uh, his name was Mr. Mangini. And I wanted to make this quilt. And I ended up having so much fabric that I made myself a larger version, like a an oversized throw, because that's usually my sweet spot for quilting. And uh, I made three lap quilts, one for my mom, one for my aunties, because my grandmother had passed now. And I wanted to find out, for some reason, I didn't know if Mr. Mangini would even be alive. I'm 47 now, so uh, I was, I was, this is 40 years ago. Well, I send this quilt and they, my New York family, I'm from New York originally, my New York family, they tracked him down. They tracked down his daughter and they said, you don't remember. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. You don't remember. And they tell him the story about how my grandmother would take us every time and he'd always let us pick out a piece of fruit. I always picked out an apple, just loved apples. And he would do that. Well, this man remembered that 40 years later, he remembered that and they gave him the quilt and I got, I'm going to cry now. I got the sweetest (laughs) phone call from his daughter and he was pretty much on his deathbed by the time he got these. He wasn't doing well. He's passed on now since. And it was just the sweetest letter and the sweetest phone call about how touched he was because he was just a fruit, uh, just a guy who had a fruit uh, shop. And then he got this quilt that was all fruits and vegetables and it was just one of those heart wrenching stories. So while the quilt wasn't fantastic, um, it was a really, it was an emotional one for me. Well, the heart behind uh, it was fantastic. Right. And that's, and that's just, that just still yeah. touches me. I'm getting a little of the clamp right now. Um, <laughs> and, my and, you're, and, you're, and you're saying that it wasn't fantastic. And that's, that's, you know, from the opinion of people who've been sewing for 20 years, I think that, you know, most people are touched if you make something home, you know, out of your own, you know, craft for them. Oh, very much so. But my favorite, 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 favorite quilt. And I still have, I still have all these quilts actually, but my favorite quilt was, I was, in, it was more recent and I was inspired by a quilt I saw. It's shown in Quilt Con. It's a pretty famous quilt. It was called, now I'm forgetting, of course, it was called Big Love or Love or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, red and white stripes and it looked like a voice. Yes. You know what I'm talking it was about? Jackie Gearing? Yeah, it was the no. audio. Was it not Jackie Gearing? I don't think it was Jackie Gearing, but it was, I want to say Whole Circle Studio is the handle, but I'm not okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but it, it was like the, the audio feedback sound, you know, a sound. Right. Wave. Right. Yeah. So what I did is, and I had read the description and, and she had written in her description that if she had to guess what it would sound like, it would sound like this. 
And I thought, okay, so what I did, and I'm not a technologically, you know, I'm not techie at all. What I did was I took my voice memos on my iPhone and I recorded myself saying something that I always say to my children. And I recorded that one word and then I took it into my AutoCAD because I'm an architect. I took it into my AutoCAD and I drafted it. So it's a literal, instead of how I thought it would sound, it's a literal interpretation of my voice telling them something I say all the time. So I did a kind of a, a rendition on her quilt. I did it in blues and whites and it was a very literal uh, word for us. And I, I quilted that one. And that's my favorite, favorite quilt. And of course, my kids are like, well, is it going to be for us? And I thought, well, no, under no circumstances is it for you. It's, it's for me <laughs> to think about you because I love you so much. So I so still have all right these books. Whole Circle Studio. You're yeah, right, right. I believe that was it. I was inspired by her quilting. And I just thought that was um, just a fabulous way to memorialize or think about an expression. I thought that was fantastic. Yes, absolutely. So you, you were inspired by her quilt. Are there other quilters who have inspired you? I mean, I know this is probably a very long list, but feel free. Oh, goodness. I'm. <laughs> oh, where do I even begin? Like, I don't. Gosh, I couldn't even think them off the top of my head, which isn't fair, but. Uh... Hmm. You know, okay. I'm going to have to think about that for a few minutes. Okay. Because I don't want to, I tend to be, well, uh, right now I'm pretty inspired with a lot of the, um, they're onesie twosie hits. I, there's nobody who's coming out consistently with things that I'm like jackpot every single time. <laughs> so you, you mentioned, and, and I mentioned it the, in the intro and you, you mentioned it briefly that you work part-time for pink door fabrics. Can you tell us I, what you do for them? I do. Um, Pink Door Fabrics is an online uh, quilt shop. It's run by, well, Pink Door Fabrics, but uh, my good friend Chelsea. And she started a quilt shop about 10 years ago. And what really happened is uh, she started doing and becoming known for her Blocks of the Month programs. And a lot of places have these. We started doing... Um, Oh, we did a lot of English paper piecing ones. So we did Smitten by, I, gosh, who did Smitten? I forget the name. I forget right off the top of my head because I'm being recorded. Uh, we're currently in the midst of uh, La Pasacalia. We're doing uh, Galaxy coming up. We're doing a bunch of them. So what I do regularly, and there are a lot of ladies who are a lot of people who work in the shop, but. What I do is I make sure that the blocks of the month are cut and coordinated and go out smoothly. Um, it's a shop where you can you can get online and you can order fabric no problem. But where you're going to find my hand on things is working with the blocks of the month. So we have one that's by It's So Jody that we found online. And she designed her own. English paper piecing quilt called Inner Cube, which is right now my current uh, favorite thing I'm, I work on. And it's, it's, it's really striking because she takes the values of fabric and tries to, which is something, ooh, pardon me, I like to do. She f uses light and dark and medium values to create depth in her quilts. 
and try to make them seem like they're more three-dimensional than fabric will allow. So we've got this right now. We just started it. We're in month three coming up. So what you'll get is we'll take the entire quilt. We'll break it down into more manageable pieces, make fabric selections for you. You sign up and uh, I'll orchestrate getting your fabric for that month, any free gifts we're giving along. You know, you get some glues, you get the papers you might need in some cases and some quilts know you have to buy them separately depending on uh, depending on their contracts. But we do a lot of work that way. And so that's where my hand is going to be. I will go into work tomorrow and start rolling out and cutting for the next month of something. We have about, well, we have several hundred people in some of, some of them. So it's not nice. a, a one day undertaking. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of fun. Well, I looked people. it up. Oh, I'm sorry. I looked it up. Smitten was Lulu Well. Yes, it was Lulu Wells. Right? I'm sorry. It was. So we did Smitten. We have a large selection. We work a lot in Tula Pink's fabrics. We work a lot in um, Juicy Juice fabrics, uh, a lot of Heather Ross fabrics. So you'll see a lot of that theme running through that shop, which are super fun fabrics to play with. Some people um, love them on their own and some people aren't fans, but I think getting to Fussy Cut and Kaleidoscope, all of these fabrics is just... That's some, that's some, that's where my heart lies. That's great. Well, what sewing machine do you currently use? Oh, I am a baby lock devotee. Uh, I would say in, in crasser terms, but devotee is what I'm going on being recorded. Uh, <laughs> I, I started my first sewing machine I bought myself was when I got out of college, I had a Husqvarna. And that little bear is still still going hard, but uh, it's more my travel machine now. And I've in the since time I've upgraded, and I sew on a Baby Lock uh, Destiny right now. So we have a um, the Baby Lock is where I really am comfortable. I, I work with those a lot, and um, my serger is a baby lock now. My long arm is a uh, crown jewel two baby lock, but that's very, very similar. I think it either is made by or just rebranded. It's a handy quilter. Ah, gotcha. So yeah, I, I love my All baby right. locks. And I think it's really because the shop where it's most local for me mm -hmm. sells and, and services baby locks. Because that would be well, a place if you're going to buy a dealer. I'm sorry. Yeah, I always advise people when they're looking for a machine, go mm -hmm. find a dealer you like the and dealer. buy their machine. That's who's going to that's who's going to service it exactly. And so, so that would that would be the same advice I'd give somebody, Elena. I'd give them too is if you have a sewing machine or you're going to get a sewing machine, find a shop you like. Absolutely, go find those people because they're all. Be I mean, there's, they're great machines for what in generally what we do. Mm -hmm. Lots of different great machines. So just pick the dealership you like. Yeah. I Absolutely. still sew on my, uh, when I'm sewing and I just bring my machine out to like for the day or something, someone's outs. And I bring my little Husqvarna that I bought in 95. <laughs> um, it feels a lot different than sewing on my very nice Destiny. It's, I said something like, oh, this is like driving a lazy boy. This thing's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so a good machine yeah, will take you I, back. 
Yeah, I had a Husqvarna, a Viking. I think it was a uh, Lily, mm-hmm. maybe. I wore the feed dog smooth on that thing twice oh, I bet and you, finally killed it. I bet you did. She's still going pretty <laughs> strong, but she also hasn't been tuned up in a really long time. Yeah, my, my machines all need a spa treatment, but Oof. I just haven't. So I always mentioned the, I, I take him to the spa before I try and go on retreat just so they can get a break before I do what I'm really going to do to him. Yeah, I used to do it for Mother's Day every year. And, you know, Mother's Day is today, so I should probably take <laughs> <laughs> it to this. <laughs> but hey, it hasn't been since before the pandemic. So it's been at least three years, I'd say. Oh, wow. Which is really not good. It's starting to get loud. Oh, yeah. So. So you mentioned block lock rulers, loving those and the AccuQuilt uh, cutter. Do you have other favorite rulers and notions that you cannot live without? Oh. And ja- your seam ripper, obviously. But My seam ripper. I love my seam ripper. Um, I just bought recently, and I found out I kind of love it, is the wing trimmer ruler for making fine oh, yes. Yeah. I love that one. I didn't know that. I, I needed it, but I did. Uh, what else? What do I love? I love I'm my I'm searching AccuQuilt. for it now. Oh, the wing trimmer. Good one. I've also found, and I don't remember who makes it, but I got it in the shop. Uh, for um, it has, you know how the the a lot of the rulers have an eighth inch grid. Well, these bring the eighth inch grids, the lines all the way down. I'd have to, I'd have to send it to you, Jeff. But it's really kind of helped clean up the precision a little bit because I can see that eighth inch all the way down, and it. It's really a good ruler. You got to be really careful with your ruler sometimes letting them. Oh, you know what I love? I love this is look at me all distracted. And I found out I can't live without them is I can't live without my Jen Kingwell template grips. And they're just these little plastic discs. You're kind of silicone like discs you put on the bottom of your rulers or your acrylic templates when you're cutting out shapes. Because Mm -hmm. I have a problem with them sliding. And so I've tried the, I've tried the sandpaper. I've tried all those things. I love those Jen Kingwell tem, uh, template grips. Oh, that's nice. interesting. I'll have to look into those. Yeah, I'll have I to look the into those. Quilter ruler, ruler tape. Mm-hmm. That's a good one too. Uh, when look at, I'm looking around my, I'm looking around my room, seeing what I've got, but I've just got EPP and thread everywhere. I'm not in my basement. well well, where can people find you online to learn more about you and your quilts is instagram the best place instagram's the best place i'm chuck star c-h-u-c-k-s-t-a-r-158 i will warn people if they are even remotely interested in me that it's that's my whole life so it's going to be more than just quilting if you're not interested in seeing what kind of nonsense i get into sometimes (laughs) maybe that's not the greatest account for you but I would give definitely uh, Pink Door Fabrics, give them a follow because if they're planning something, I'm probably working on it too. It might have been something I sewed. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, Instagram's the best place for me. So, and I hear what you're saying about it being your whole Hello, life. I don't have there. the mental bandwidth to have more than one account well i i also know that you're a big reader i'm curious do you have a favorite uh recent novel that you'd recommend Ooh, what do you like 
Oh, I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty widely read, so I'm curious what I'm, you um, what you've you've enjoyed the past year or two. The past year or two, I have enjoyed. Um, I'm a big Kristen Hanna fan, so I really enjoyed her The Great Alone. I read in the last year or so. Uh, I enjoyed anything. Rebecca Mackay, I think, is her name, and I enjoyed her. Uh, I can see it on my thing downstairs, and I'm not remembering it. <laughs> it was called the, and it was about um, some gentlemen in the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. And I'm just blanking on the name right now, but Mackay, M A K K A I, was is her name, the author. Uh, John Boyne, B-O-Y-N-E, his, his The Heart's Invisible Furies is one of my favorite. So these are all kind of stories set in different time periods I enjoy. Uh, I just, and for like lighter fare, uh, Seven Husbands of Elaine Hugo and any books by that author. I do a lot of Audible because I, uh, you know, I'm in the car a lot or Audible is really my favorite when I'm sewing because, you know, I can do two things at once. So I've been listening to more books than reading lately. And uh, her Daisy Jones and the Six was one of my favorites. Uh, also, the author, Andy Weir, he wrote The Martian. And mm -hmm. uh, his second book, Artemis, not as great. But I really enjoyed the most recent one that he came, as, uh, came out with, which was Project Hail Mary. And I thought that was great on Audible. Yep. Absolutely wonderful. Um, if, you, if you like novels set in specific time periods, one of my very dear friends from college released a book during the pandemic called The Parted Earth. Oh, okay. It's Anjali Reddy. It's right. about partition, partition in India, 1947. All right. Um, I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, and I think, I think she's on Audible. I know that she recorded it, so she's actually reading her own book. Oh, I love when they read the your audiobooks. Then you get the intonation so, you wanted and everything like that. Yeah. Oh, here it is. And okay, she's such a neat woman, too. So one of my very best friends from all four years of college. Oh, She's fantastic. in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I have got she's it on my list now. now. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a big so reader. Just I, to put plug for my food. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. I, I'm a big, I like to joke that I'm a big, like, indoorsy kind of girl. Like, I love to bake, and I love <laughs> to quilt, and I, I'm very, I'm, I'm the person you want in the apocalypse. Like, I can bake, I can uh You can quilt, make 50,000 masks. Make 50,000 masks if you need it. Um, All of those fun things. So, the joke is around here that I'm pretty indoorsy. So, if it's reading, well, quilting, I'm your girl. Well, absolutely. I mean, all three of us are Gen Xers, and I remember the joke during the pandemic quarantines that, you know, we had, this was our niche. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we found our time. Because <laughs> we have the skill sets, and we have the... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Any, any music recommendations? Oh, music for me. Uh, <laughs> music, you're... You know, to be perfectly honest, if it's me, you're probably going to find some show tunes. Um, Yay! I am all about, like, find me the Broadway mood playlists on Spotify. Uh, I If I go to, like, my Spotify, you'll always see me firing up 
um, some playlist they made, but it's usually decade related. So it might be like all out 1980s. Um, but music is not, I'm not a deep cuts music kind of gal. So I will listen to almost anything that's on, but I don't have a really a niche for music unless it's Broadway show tunes. And then I'm there. There you go. Well, again, we've been speaking with quilter Dina mailing. You can find her online at Instagram at chuckstar158. And Dina, thanks for doing this interview. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun.